0: Hello, you're listening to Thought Starters, a podcast on the business of creativity recorded at the pod at White City Place. I'm Ellie Stuhler. Today, we're in the world of fashion, an industry that, more than most, must find a way to balance artistry and commerce. Often, the audience that lends a fashion brand its relevance aren't necessarily its main consumers. Up for discussion today, fashion that is more than just clothing, it's also a message. We also look at what's happening in the industry to create space for gender
1: fluidity, breaking the silos of menswear and women'swear. A fashion brand can be successful because of the sales, you know, yeah, and, and that's very often probably the first thing that people mm. look at. But then fashion also has social and cultural impact that can't be measured in sales. Let's meet our two conversationalists. Yes, hello, I'm Natalie Kahn. I teach fashion history and theory at three different art schools. One is uh, La Combre in Brussels, where I teach um, fashion design students contextual studies, trying to make them think about concepts and ideas and how they inform their final collection. I teach fashion history and theory at Central Saint Martins and at London College of Fashion.
2: Hello, I'm Eden Loweth. I'm one part of the Design Duo Art School. So, I work on the brand with my partner, Tom Barrett, and we show currently with the man schedule with Fashion East.
0: Eden Loweth is one half of the design duo that founded Art School, a fashion collective that is embracing and celebrating non binary, gender fluid clothing. Their first collection hit the racks at Selfridge's in 2017, and for whom this year they styled a campaign for Stella McCartney. Only in their 20s, Eden and partner, Tom Barrett, have already become significant players in the fashion industry and a signpost of its future. Natalie Kahn teaches fashion history and theory at Central Saint Martins and London College of Fashion. Natalie writes often on the impact of technology both on the catwalk and in the fashion image. She's written on fashion designers Gareth Pugh and Alexander McQueen and will soon be publishing a book with esteemed fashion photographer Nick Knight.
1: taught fashion design students for a number of years I think it's now a little over 10 years and one of the things that we always sort of talk about especially when we first meet the students is um, that a lot of the things that we discuss and that we want them to reflect on has nothing to do with fashion itself Mm. that we think of what we do as creatives and what inspires us, what, what influence ideas and, and product or designs you know, comes from somewhere else. But I also I find it really inspiring how you as a design team, and I always think of you as mm. a team, as a collective, but also you know, a, a, a brand, art school, is really about a community as well. Yeah, how you have to be so much more than just a fashion brand or a team that produces garments. What is that like when you first and you you know your career is is still in the early stages, isn't it? You graduated mm. how long ago? Eden? So it was
2: two years ago that yeah. myself and Tom graduated straight from BA. Yes. So, Yeah, it's it's quite a daunting process as initially it's just excitement, mm. um, but as you kind of start to expand and we've got more attention and we've been very lucky to have a close knit group of people that have stayed with us from the beginning and. We have a lot of mentors, such as you, who always support us so much and we can get advice from. Mm. But it's been really important, I think, to retain that community aspect of the brand because otherwise it's very easy to become alienated by the hype and attention that your brand kind of automatically gets when you're showing with something as brilliant and as big as Fashion East. Also, there's a lot more to being a designer now in this kind of modern age that we live in with Instagram and everything that comes with it. How Um, do you deal
1: with hype? How do you deal with the media, the press and um, what happens online?
2: We try to be quite switched on to being aware of the impact that Instagram has and the impact that press has now. I think there's certainly a real shift and a real separation between what fashion journalists write and how the wider public perceive you on sites such as Instagram. Um, And for us, we're really aware and we work aware of those things because I think, you know, we're essentially shutting off a whole section of our market and also making the label less relatable to not be aware of the hype that Instagram creates around a brand. And there is intention within some of the work that we know that it's going to switch on to people that see it on Instagram and be that instant image. And obviously, we might have even created it with a much deeper message, but it would be stupid as a, a young brand to not be aware of that or to kind of not absorb that information. And it's it really can be a completely different message to what um, fashion writers or critics might think of your label. Mm. Um, like, for example, we've dressed two of the Kardashians now, which is a really alternative pairing for something like art school. Really thought hard about whether we wanted to do that but for us particularly tom who has a a teenage sister and is very aware of that whole kind of kardashian lifestyle that's appeared recently that dressing kim and kylie made sense because it makes it relatable to these young girls that are seeing fashion through the eyes of instagram and they have their own idols in the way that we all do for whatever career path that we're in or whoever inspires us, this whole group of like hundreds of thousands of girls globally, you know, find that in Kim Kardashian. So I think it's really important to kind of not become too absorbed in the snobbery of fashion and be realistic about what people find inspiring and what the reason is that people are interested in clothing and interested in the way that they identify.
1: Mm. I mean, fashion is interesting in that sense that... We always measure it. Mm. We always want to see, you know, what is successful. And then I guess in that way, fashion is very different from other design forms. A fashion brand can be successful because of the sales, you know, and and that's very often probably the first thing that people Mm. look at. But then fashion also has social and cultural impact that can't be measured in sales. I find but always such a contradiction. And sometimes people just focus on one side mm. or the other. And then thirdly, I think, now with social media, fashion is measured in its following online. And again, that is separate and has nothing to do with material sales or where you're able to buy it or you know the number of stockists. But again, it's very particular. Do you think that the image that is presented online is sometimes different to those other ways in which we can measure the brand
2: yeah i think the way that fashion is perceived online is a completely different world Mm -hmm. to the way a store might perceive our brand or the way that someone that's a customer from one of those stores might perceive the brand but i think it's really relevant that people listen to what your brand looks like on social media and how people think about it so I think the way young brands are now really focusing in on this idea of Instagram being a relevant thing to a label, I think it's, it may not increase your sales drive massively because a lot of the people that follow us are teenagers or early twenties on Instagram, but what it does do is make us relevant. At the moment we get like a hundred followers a day, which is um, crazy but it opens that door and creating a social platform, which is what we want to do with art school, something that's more than just a bottom line of sales and how many stores we're stocked in. It's not just about that for us, you know, and I think more young designers are now realizing that you don't need to have a mega brand by the time you're 30 to be creating something that you're proud of and that's work that you feel is saying something, you know, I think, the most important thing, particularly in fashion now, because there's so much overexposure and there's so many brands and so many voices to be heard. If you're not saying something that's relevant, then what's the point in doing it at all? Um, That's
1: interesting you say that, that um, with my students in Brussels, that is the first question I put uh, to them, why be a fashion designer today? It's an impossible and really difficult Mm. thing to answer. And you can only answer it through your work. It's not something that we can put into words necessarily. It has to be reflected in the design. Um, It's about being culturally relevant, I guess, or making an impact because there is enough fashion out there and there are enough garments being made. Yeah, I think
2: it's a growing process as mm. well. I think you really see brands... And young designers that have the opportunity to show their own work in a platform like we do really evolve over a period of time. I think um, fashion could learn a lot from looking back at itself and realising that they need to maybe give young designers more time to be able to evolve in their own creative path. Because for us, art schools changed and evolved so much in the last year and a half that from the beginning and we've only really realised quite recently how much of an important social message we have to say and also how much of a voice we're giving to people that we hadn't even realised how under-represented kind of represented they were, not just within fashion, but within the public domain.
1: Tell me about the community then that you feel you'll represent.
2: I mean, well, basically art school was born off a community of queer-identifying people But the idea of art school is that it can be for anybody. So what I would never want is for people to see one of our friends that's like a performance artist or, you know, a student at St Martins or wherever they are and think that that alienates them from art school. You know, we also have Girls Walk For Us that are from Hull who Tom knew from college, you know. It can be literally anyone. And we find the way in which we work is that we do the entire season backwards really so we start with the casting and put together a mood for the season so instead of having a theme say butterflies or inner city we'll come up with the idea of having a message so for example last season we felt a lot darker about the times that we were living in there was a lot of our friends continuously and they still do facing attack on the streets You know, Tom, my partner, identifies as transgender and I see what he goes through and even what I go through with these nails on a daily basis and people can be quite challenging of that. So um, we wanted to create that mood and then from there we'll then do a casting of people that we feel represent that. So all we do is really set the tone and then we'll go in and select a group of people. And it really, as time's gone on, it, it becomes more and more diverse each season. So every age, every gender, every ethnicity from any kind of corner of our kind of life. Mm. For example, even the Vogue editor, Julia Hobbs, was in the last show because we'd worked with her for the last three years and just found her really inspiring as a person and represents such a different, way of life and lifestyle to some of the kids that walk for us that are in first year at St. Martin's. So it just felt right to have her in the mix within this reasonably political show. And then we work with the models on creating the looks over the course of the season. So we'll start by working on initial ideas and then they come in for fittings very early on and we'll have fittings continuously until we reach the end of their look. And that's something that continues to refine over time, because as we do it each season, the way in which we delve deeper and can find more references, and there might be other overarching themes that come through, like an artist or someone that we feel is representative of that group of people. So yeah, it's really built from the community upwards.
1: That means that each of the garments, So if you're working with people directly, that means that those garments are made for the people who work in the show. So they they respond to their body or what the body is going through. And of course, you know, one of the things that the media often picks up on and which I think is also really important to say is that art school is one of the few genderqueer fashion brands. How would you say you you are different to other brands that are described in a similar way?
2: Yeah, I think... um There's been a real buzz around the word queer within fashion journalists and within wider journalism recently. For us, that's quite frustrating because there's parts of that ideology behind that movement that also don't really understand the concept of queerness or what queer means. And that it's not directly related to being gay. It's broader than that so that for a start is something that we've found interesting to try and kind of explain and also i think it's sad to see young brands being lumped together under one head banner because what i do and what charles jeffrey does or what the are doing in new york or Telfar is very different and each has its own opinion on this world ours looks very much intently at the community itself charles is more influenced by more of a fantasy world delved from that queerness you know and Vancara are kind of a mix of those two things as well as some other elements they bring in we are surrounded by an incredible group of peers and we all know each other and that provides a stability and i think without the others it wouldn't have this driving message mm. that it's having at the moment but it would be nice to see a greater kind of understanding of the differences even if they seem quite subtle to a seasoned fashion journalist, it would be nice to have a greater understanding of those. Because someone like Eckhouse Latter has been working for the past 10 seasons in New York, and I remember seeing their brand at college and being absolutely obsessed with it, because those things don't exist here. You know, before Charles and us were showing in this way, there really hasn't been this movement happening in London whatsoever. Not within
1: mainstream fashion, absolutely not, Um, no. But maybe, maybe those fashion journalists need to go back to art school, I don't know. (laughs) 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 Lecture on queer culture would be good.
0: You're listening to Thought Starters, recorded at White City Place. In conversation today, Eden Loweth of Art School and Natalie Kahn, the fashion historian.
2: what specific thing makes art school product unique or art school product, art school product. And you know, a lot of designers have done very well from working with print or embroidery or one specific thing that they do that makes it their product. But then we've really come to realize that there's there are brands, especially in the times that we live in, that people want to buy because it's that brand. And that's what makes the pieces unique. And we very much relate to brands like Vetamon and Balenci- and what Demna's doing at Balenciaga as well, because the people that want to buy that brand, which is such a diverse group of people, you know, it could be a 60-year-old woman that buys their bags, but it could also be a teenager that buys their acid hoodies. They want to buy it because it's Vetamon or Balenciaga, and it's been touched through that mind and gone through that thought process. And yeah, it's a hoodie. It's that whole journey that it's been through by going through the mind of someone like Demner and his team and that collective that makes it the desirable product. And that's something that we're really interested in tapping into because um, it also makes it more relatable to normal people.
1: Also thinking about what defines your product. I mean, we started Mm -hmm. off with jewelry. So we talked about sort of accessories. When you mentioned the uh, services campaign, and I think coming back to that, your jewellery is something that I really associate with what you're doing. And then, of course, again, going back to garments, I would say embellishment, Mm -hmm. you know, your collaboration with Sorovsky, which was something that people might know from yeah. sort of looking at your early collections and that has continued up until now and mm. you you know continue to work with that brand but embellishment in itself again for women's wear and men's wear something so specific and this of coming back to gendered fashion as well embellishment is not what we associate with conventional masculinity yeah. and sort of moving away from what that might mean and what that mm. looks like. So again, you're making a really strong statement that goes way beyond sort of simple gender constructions.
2: With the embellishment embroidery, initially it was very much kind of an instant thing with us because we would just do something that we liked. But then we began to think more heavily about how we can make comment on that in a masculine setting. And um, last season we worked with Swarovski in a completely different way. Um, so it was, we have an in-house artist called Dominic Meyer who creates print for us and he comes in and sits at the fittings and draws in response to the conversations models are having and their personalities. And that's where we then pick from. And he also is a tattoo artist as well. So his like amazing sketchy illustrations formed the idea of creating these tattooed pieces that were close to the body and kind of had much more of a masculine energy in a way but we really liked that contrast in the fact that it was something that was also making comment on the Margiela tattoo tops that me and Tom both have and find amazing and the idea of those things that are iconic Mm -hmm. and translating them into like a queer context and really it's quite interesting how much you can work with the crystal to develop something that isn't you know i don't want to create some kind of like through-through, crystal teapot setting with like embroideries all over the place it's something much more minimal we always describe the brand as like decadent minimalism so which is a contradiction and that's the point so we created like a bias cut tailored trouser last season that had like a slash cut out of one leg which was pouring with sequin embroidery But when you look at it, it actually looks quite masculine as a piece. And we've sold it as menswear to two stores. So that was really exciting to be able to see stores picking it up and understanding it as a menswear garment and seeing a customer for it. I was quite interesting to see, obviously we work with you, Natalie, on our press notes and you support us with the kind of positioning of the contextuality of what we're working on. But I was really interested to see and hear your thoughts on this emerging group of kind of young designers that are doing it their own way and how, having got so much knowledge about the industry, how you see that kind of panning out and how do you think this is going to really make a sizable shift in the way that London fashion represents itself?
1: Wow, that's a big question. That's... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I can't answer it to start with, I guess, but I would say I've seen many fashion design students coming through in London and we often talk about London as a city that supports young designers. It frightens me sometimes and I feel that there's so many people who just sort of follow their own interest and use talent in order to present and make a message about themselves. And that can be big brands or it can be other institutions or maybe just the way that London wants to be seen as a as a capital that nurtures talent. And those kids that come through and are pushed into that pool burn quite quickly. And I see that over and over again. And as a teacher, we have nothing really there to give students, certainly not uh, someone who teaches fashion history and theory, to prepare them for how they might be used. And become a little bit cynical. I mean, if we look at St. Martin's and where it is placed and what a development it has become, all the big corporations who have placed themselves around it to be associated with an art school. Why? Because it makes them look good. And it looks really nice, but for a time, until it looks like, um, you know, an airport lounge, you know, with some really, you know, amazing people coming in there full of hope. So yes, you know, I look at that and I think, okay, mm. good luck. <laughs> good luck to both sides. But yes, I'm, I'm impartial and uh, that's a nice position mm. to be in. I have nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I see them come through and I, I, I see them being sort of, you know, really excited. And I also see that change that my students go through when they first begin and then what they're like when they leave.
2: Yeah, it's a very all-consuming journey, I think, that period, if you're serious about it, that period of between like halfway through your studies and then maybe the position that we're in now, it kind of goes by incredibly quickly. And I think with the pace that London fashion moves, particularly within young designers now, as you say, I think it is a borderline kind of very difficult path to tread. But we're very lucky that there are such support systems in place to be able to even launch a brand
1: yes, straight from college. Absolutely, because and and don't. that you know that might open other doors. You yeah. know, but setting up your own brand isn't you know something that everybody wants to do. Mm. And I guess it's also really interesting to just have that platform to be seen on a global level, and London certainly offers that as an opportunity.
0: That was Eden Loweth of Art School and Natalie Kahn, fashion historian. This has been Thought Starters, recorded at the pod at White City Place. Thought Starters is a Deanna Co. project for White City Place, produced by David Michon, recorded by Sean Crook, and edited by Claire Urban. To find out how you can record your own podcast at White City Place, find us at whitecityplace.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at White City Place. And subscribe to Thought starters on iTunes, Acast, and Stitcher. Give us a rating and write us a comment. It really helps. We'll see you next time.